So this morning, uh, I had thoughts, and, and I, I want to be brief this morning because I want to hear from each individual, but about what God has taught us, being in the place, the position where we are, where he has us. I know, I know that uh, I believe in Matt, Lacey, and, and uh, what is her name? Oh, that's right. It's Sophie have been kept from this. But, but nevertheless, still God is teaching us things, teaching all of us things, no matter where we are and no matter what place we're in. But one thing, I, one thing that it's taught me is the necessity, the necessity, the privilege, the freedom, the unbelievable grace that we have to be a body and to be able to gather together because if there's anything that he's teaching us by these things, that's what he's teaching us. He's teaching us. And yes, uh, the, there is the body universal, obviously, and the body in heaven and the body on earth. But then there's the local body. That's the place where he's placed us. And that's the dot. And he's the circle around that area. You notice that? That's where the dot and he's the circle. And he may use other things and other portions, and he does in his faithfulness. But thank God, never outside of a local assembly. And that's what he's taught me, how deeply I miss everybody and with a face-to-face fellowship, how needful each and every single portion is, how deeply I, I need them, I need you folks, and how, how deeply precious it is to even have the privilege to be able to fellowship together in the preciseness of God's order. And so thankful for the preciseness of God's order. Again, so thankful that God does not some things, but all things decently and in order. In 1 Corinthians 14, 40. In other words, God has an order. That order that he brings out is again in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 8 to 16. That speaks of a local assembly. That's God's order. That's where he will do the most. But with this situation, and we had the word again, is again, just because of the word and God's faithfulness and grace, we had the word every morning, all throughout the holidays. And all, all throughout the time, and, and the reason is, is because God has called us to this particular place, this locality, and this is where he has the counsel for us, first and foremost. And everyone can, can be aware of that, because each one here knows that God called you, right? It's a personal call, and it's a beautiful, a beautiful time. I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures, and... I'm, I'm going to read them, and I'm going to do like, like a very, very, <laughs> a very unusual thing. I'm going to actually open a Bible. <laughs> it's not going to be a screen. <laughs> I'm actually going to open a Bible, an actual Bible, and I'm going to actually read from it. Now, the beauty of everything that's going to be said this morning is this, is that We are in Christ. Every single one of us is in Christ. Every single one of us. Every single one of us has this treasure in these fragile clay jars in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. That's our place. We are all, all of us are in Christ. Again, that's the dot and we're the circle. But there's certain ways and certain reasons and certain things that he that God begins to do in us out of his love. How many ever thought, and did we ever think, that this, and I shared this with with Mike and some folks in Texas, uh, one of these mornings where we had the word, and uh, how many thought, how many of, of us would think, in natural thinking, that this COVID thing, or the fact that we couldn't get together, was against us? Did you think that? Did we think that whatever's happening to us right now, if we actually believe that God is the circle around each and every single one of us, if we actually believe that in 2 Corinthians 4.15, 
all things are for our sakes. If we actually believe in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 18, that all things are of God. If we actually believe in Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for God's divine good to them that love him and to those that are the called according to his purpose and for God to work in his purpose as he was doing so in Jacob. When Jacob cried out in in Genesis 42 and verse 36, in his natural thinking, in his own thoughts, he made this statement, all these things are against me. I in no way believe, no way believe at all that evil comes from God. Obviously in James 1 and verse 13 and Psalm 97 and verse 10. In no way does evil come from God. But we can't say that God doesn't use it. He doesn't. We can't say that. And I can also say that there are many reasons, and, and there was a reason for God to get us alone with him through this COVID thing, to get us alone with him. And I'll show you the scriptures that bear that out crystal clear. But please, don't think, don't think, okay, that God is the cause of it. He will use it. Did he use Satan in Job's case? Did he? Did he allow everything that happened to Job, did it have to go through God first? And what was the purpose? Was it because God was against him in any single way? No. Nope. No. Nope. He, he would be against any of us living in self-righteousness. And again, self-righteousness may mean that I don't need to continue to receive from the place where God has called me. I think I can do it. God doesn't do a single thing outside his order. He just does not. He does not do it. He can use portions. But if those portions are the things that draw us away, okay, they're very dangerous. And God may mean them for our good. But when we're not continually dependent upon him, then they can be very, very dangerous. Now, again, are they they against us? I believe that the COVID did cause, cause us at times not to be able to meet. I do, because God needed us to get alone. But I also believe that in a lot of cases, and believe me, when I talk about depression, if you're breathing... You're in Christ and you're breathing. You've been depressed at some point. Okay? But I believe that it would be depression also that would keep us from the word. Not just the COVID experience itself, but the depression. And remember, keep in mind what depression is. It's being depressed into self and no longer being impressed with the word because we base our We base what our circumstances and situations are based upon our feelings. And that's why we teach what the Bible teaches, that we don't trust our feelings, even if they're good feelings. They are never to replace continual dependence upon God. And listen, in his order, continually, continually and fervently. There's no two ways. Or, of course, our bad feelings. Because in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith. That means not by feelings or what we sense. We walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by absolute dependence upon God. Now, what what did he do and what did he have for us with all of this? Here's Job, the 12th chapter, and verse 14. It says this. It says, Behold, he tears down, and it cannot be built again. Do you know why God allowed this COVID thing in all of our lives? Because there's certain things in us, based upon Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 10, there are four things that he must do to plant and to build in us. First thing he must do this, and you can ask Matt, he's got his kitchen torn apart, but he has to tear out the old so that the new can be installed. Behold, he tears down. What does he tear down? that that can be torn down, that that gets in the way. And it says, and it cannot be built again. And thank God for that. 
It says he shuts up, he shuts a man in. I don't know, were any of us shut in with this? He shuts a man in and none can open. In other words, he puts us in a place where only he can deal with us. Only he. And he'll do that with COVID. And if you haven't had COVID, you can be sure of one thing. God will have his way in some measure to do that. To do that very, very thing. Honestly. He'll do it. And he'll do it because he loves us. Verse 15 of Job 12 says, He withholds the waters and the land dries up. The land in that particular place is that thing that we rely on. We were ignorant of, didn't even know it until God allowed the enemy to try and do what he meant for evil in Genesis 50, verse 20. But listen, God meant for good. Do you know the good that God has towards us has to do with himself? Has to do with his glory? Because the only good there is is God in Exodus 34 and verse 16 and Matthew 19 and verse 17 and Luke 18 and verse 19. There's only good in God. There's good nowhere else. There's only good. So he withholds the waters. The waters there can be the beauty of the word and the depth of fellowship that we so desire. You know, the washing of the water of the word in Ephesians 5 and verse 26, that that the Holy Spirit takes and mixes with the word of God in, in, in John 4, 14 and John 7, 38, and that becomes water that continually cleanse. Well, at times he has to withhold the waters because he has to cause that land in us that's not of him, that place where we dwell that's not of him to dry up. He, and then it says this. Look what it says. He sends forth rains. They can do one of two things. They'll do one of two things. They will overwhelm the land and do we need areas in our life that are not of him to be overwhelmed by him so that we can experience the reality of who Christ is in us and who we are in him? In Romans 8, 37, we are more than conquerors. But is that what our emotions reveal to us? Is that the truth? You know, the emotions have to constantly pay for the content of the thinking of the mind in its initiation. Constantly. He sends forth rains. Look what they do. They will overwhelm the land or transform it. Look what it says. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible this morning. They, he sends the rains, and it can, be, it can be intense. They can be intense rains. And they're for two reasons. One of two constantly in our life. And these are teaching us continual dependence. And listen, he's creating hunger in those that are his. Hunger for himself that nothing can replace so that we can say in Psalm 34, verse 2, the humble, those that have been humbled will hear thereof and they'll be glad. They'll taste in Psalm 38, verse uh, 34, verse 8, and see, they'll taste. It becomes one with them and see that he is good. Goodness is in him. We will no longer leave it up to our emotions to determine the word of God and what in, in our own self-understanding about what good is and what evil is, what light is and what dark is, and what bitter is and what sweet is. There's no two ways about it. So those rains, those storms in our life will either overwhelm the land, the area where, where, the, where Christ is not occupied, where he doesn't have every place, remember, he has first place by virtue of who he is. His desire for us and his love for us is to have every place. They will either overwhelm the land or transfer, trans what? transform it. I grow in an area. He's humbled me. I, I, I get grace. And in that grace, in that grace only, I begin to receive. And when I do, when I do, it transforms me. We go from glory to glory in 2 Corinthians 3.18, strength to strength in Psalm 89 and verse 7. Psalm 36, verse 9, we go from light to light. In Romans 1.17, we go from faith 
to faith. We're constantly, he's constantly either overwhelming in an area in our life. And by the way, if he hasn't yet, I, I can assure you in his love, there's areas where he will do it because of his love or he'll transform it. He will transform it. Now, this was, my, this was the experience. And this is why we can glean from the scriptures, the old covenant. And that's why all scripture given by God is, is, is God breathed. It is his very breath. And in his breath, we have life. You wouldn't believe some of the things that we shared during this past week, which were so incredible, which were so incredible. And I'm going to repeat a lot of them during the week because a lot, uh, a lot for some reason, weren't able to receive it. But God had it for us anyways. You, you can be sure of that. And I'm sure of it. There's so many things. For instance, we shared about how the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 25, quicken me, my soul is cleaving to the dust. What does that mean? And then he said, quicken me, give me life according to your word. Our soul is our self-conscious capacity. When God is not occupying that place, we're self-conscious, then we begin to turn to the body. And whatever's going on with that body is the thing that begins to direct us if he doesn't have full reign, and if we don't have complete dependence upon him. Do you remember in Genesis 2, verse 7, when Christ in his pre-incarnate state began to form Adam from the dust of the ground? What was he before God, before the pre-incarnate Christ breathed into him the breath of life? What was he? He was a formless, meaningless form. And that's all that we will be outside of dependence upon the continual dependence, continually surrendering our will to him for him to constantly teach us. You know, he's training us in time to reign for eternity. You know, that's what he's doing. Everything about our life is eternal. And that's why time is so valuable. That's why, by the grace of Almighty God, by his grace, we have, the, we have the option, whenever we want, Monday through Sunday, to have the Word available constantly with intense counsel to the, to the very place where God called us. I've heard others say and at times, and, and they do, and a lot of times I have to take them off the site. <laughs> They'll say, well, are you the only one? You mean he doesn't use any other way? My answer to that is, the believer, the person that would ever say that, to me that reveals a streak of rebellion and stubbornness, an area of resisting God and his truth. And I would also lovingly say to them, listen, come to me then. If you feel that way, come to me. And I, by the grace of Almighty God, will show you where I get what I get from his word, then you do the same. And we can do it in love. But here is Psalm 107, and I'm just going to read it. I'm going to read it through and listen to it. Listen to Psalm 107, and I'm going to read it in the Amplified. Listen to what it says. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. Do we believe that he's always good? Do we believe that God is always good to us and nothing else? Do we actually believe that? Is that, our, is that our thought process? Is God, could God be anything but good to us if we're the dot and he's the circle? All the bad things that happened to Joseph, was it because God was against him? Was it because God created those things or was using the evil to manifest his good, not only for Joseph, but for all those that did the evil to him. We see that in Genesis, the 50th chapter. It's crystal clear. Listen, oh, give thanks to the Lord. When? Ephesians 5.20. Give thanks for all things. Notice what that says. What does it mean to give thanks in Ephesians 5.20 for all things? Well, that's 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 15. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 18. That's Romans 8, verse 28. Huh? Thank him. 
We're to thank him for all things. And in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18, to be thankful, listen to this one, in all things. In all things. What makes us think that we, being in Christ, having eternal life, won't experience any suffering in time? Why, do, why are we surprised in 1 Peter 4.12 at the fiery trial, which is to try us, as though some kind of strange thing happened, some kind of foreign thing that we weren't aware of, when Christ himself, to get to the glory that only he could have, and thank God we can receive the blessing and benefit of it, in Colossians 1 and verse 27, to think that he went through all that suffering to get to that glory and that you and I won't. What kind of thinking is that? He has to reduce us. You know what God's doing with COVID and other, other circumstances and situations for all of us? You know what he's doing? He's reducing us down to himself. Because if we go anywhere other than him, we're going to a meaningless, lifeless form. That's what we're like. Nothing has meaning. Nothing is life. Even the good things don't even taste good anymore. The word that meant so much to us. Why? Because our soul is cleaving to the dust, to some form that's meaningless, that has no life in it. What is he doing? I'm going to tell you what he's doing. He's preparing us, even with this COVID thing. Whether you had it or not, it was still preparation to, what's going to, to what is coming down the pipe in our country, and do and in the world. And do I think in any way, is this fair teaching? No. No, we're in Christ. We're the dot. God's the circle. He's keeping us, but he's preparing us for what's coming down the pipe in our country. He is. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy and loving kindness endure forever. Did you think for one second that God wasn't being merciful and the things that you were going through. Did you think for one second, did I think for one second, that he wasn't being loving, a tender, compassionate, loving kindness? Look at what it says in Psalm 107, verse 2, and I'm just going to continue to read. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let that be your confession. Are you redeemed? Did he buy you back? Did he buy me back? Are we our own, first of all? In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, are we our own? Do we live that way? Do we live in some form of independence? A, a life that, that, that becomes enough for us, becomes the excuse for us. And God forbid, boy, he lovingly deals with every one of us. Listen, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has, past tense, delivered from the hand of the adversary. He delivered us from the adversary and gathered them out of the lands. This is place, folks. He gathered all of us out of different places, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the Red Sea and in the south. Listen, some, before he gathered them to the place where, which, which would be one of security and significance and safety, some wandered in the wilderness. They were in a solitary desert track. Listen, they found no city for habitation. You know something? We have one. We have the body of Christ right here. We have the body of Christ locally right here. That's our place. That is to be our place of habitation. And as much as I, and as much as I know it's necessary to meet others privately, which I love to do and want to do, should never replace gathering together. And in a local assembly, ever, as much as we can. Hungry and thirsty, in verse 5, they fainted. Their lives were near to being extinguished. Did you feel like that? I know a couple of times with this COVID, with those four other things I had, that I think that was coming to a, to a place where, and I mentioned it, to folks in Texas, and I mentioned it to Mike, there are a couple times that I felt like, okay, God, are you getting ready to take me home? Are you getting ready to take me home? Well, they were hungry and thirsty. 
You know, if he has to create that hunger and thirst in, uh, in us in Matthew 5 and verse 6. And when he does, you'll be filled. You won't need to go and try and get other things to be filled. You won't ever have to do that. Again, I'm taking this Sunday off, but you can be sure Wednesday night, whosoever will, let's gather together face to face and have fellowship. Because I want to tell you, I missed every single person, their face, their face to face fellowship, the exchange of the supply of the vessel that they are to me and to my wife. And you can be sure of that. You can be sure of it. Hungry and thirsty, they fainted. Their lives were near to being extinguished. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of their distresses. Or he delivered them out of all their depression. He got them to stop thinking of themselves. He got them to stop thinking that their circumstances and situations were against them. Because to think that way would be to be against the word of God. When God is absolutely for us, remember how we started out. Every one of us is in Christ. Romans 8.1, no condemnation. No guilt, no condemnation. Just plenty of conviction and plenty, plenty for all of us of correction. He led them forth by the straight and right way. That's the word of God, folks. That is the word of God. That they might go to a city where they could establish their homes. You know that city for us is this local assembly. And as you go there, he will establish your home life. That's what he'll do. He does it for all of us. Oh, that men would praise and confess to the Lord for his goodness and his loving kindness and his wonderful works to the children of men. For, for, oh gosh, okay. For he satisfies the longing soul. Did you hear that one? Did we, uh, did we hear that? For he satisfies the longing soul, he does, and fills the hungry soul with good. <laughs> Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and in irons. That means you're in a place and God's placed you in that place where he is going to lovingly deal with each and every single one of us. Because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Could we do that ignorantly? Can any of us? And would God lovingly deal with that? Therefore he bowed down their hearts. Listen to what it says, with hard labor. Who did that? Who did it? God did it. Who allowed Satan to do everything and furthermore even instigated that whole nine-month trial against Job? Who instigated that? God did. Was he the cause of the evil? No. Did he use it? Did he use it for Job? Did he allow Joseph's brothers to do, under the influence of, of Satan, what they were doing to him? And he did. Therefore he, bowed, therefore, he bowed down their hearts. That means he's humbling, humbling, with hard labor, because that's what it takes. They stumbled and fell down, and there was none to help. God is bringing each of us individually to a place where no one else can do what only he can do. And he won't allow it. And he gets us alone. And that's a good thing. It's not against us. It's for us. Okay? Then they cried to the Lord. Notice that? They didn't cry to each other. No, we go to each other, but it's to be pure fellowship around Christ. Because let me tell you, when that's not, when that's not a reality, then we will pick and choose who we believe, and, and by doing so, discerning what we believe in self-knowledge, what good and evil is. Fact of the matter is, it says this very, very clearly, very clearly. Then they cried 
unto the Lord. Why? Because there was none to help. There was, there was no one. God would not allow anyone else to be the help that only he could be. They cried in the, the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Notice that. He brought them out of, the, out of darkness. What's darkness? Well, uh, is, is depressive thoughts very dark? Yes. Who brings us out of the darkness? He does. Where does he bring us? Into the light of who we truly are with a proper image. In 1 John 1, 7, we begin to now walk in the light as he's in the light. He brought them out of the darkness in the shadow of death. To the believer, what is death? It's just a shadow. It is a shadow. There's no substance in it because Christ has dealt with that. In Romans 6, 9, he that dies once in him dies no more. Furthermore, in Ecclesiastes 7, 1, death is, is, death is greater for the believer than birth because we were born with a sin nature, with sins on us. We leave in Christ without them. De death becomes the open door to face-to-face -to -face with Christ in a glorious future that we can't even begin to imagine. But it's, on, it's through suffering. 2 Timothy 2.12, if you suffer with me, if you suffer with me and do it righteously and do it right, you'll reign with me, not just in, in heaven, although that will be true, but right here, right now on earth. Romans 8.18, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us and on us and through us. That's brought out again in Revelations chapter 2 and verse 17, brought out beautifully and clearly through the scriptures, through the preponderance of a multitude of scriptures and understanding and a multitude of light and growth in that light. Well, he brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke apart the bonds that held them. When there's areas that have us chained in self-consciousness and we go to others, okay, we're going to someone that can't do anything about it. No one can replace intimacy in you as an individual. Furthermore, you can't even have an exchange of fellowship until, that's a, until that is a personal reality. Again, we said so many things this past week, and I'm going to repeat them and record them because they're extremely vital for us right here in this local assembly. And they're preparatory. They're preparatory for so much that God has for us. And I'm not just talking the negative things, the positive, unbelievable truths that are ours in Christ the positive truths, and there's so many of them. And then so as we begin to wrap this up, so much to be said, so much to be said. Oh, that men would praise the Lord and confess, would praise and confess to the Lord for his goodness and loving kindness and his wonderful works to the children of men. For he has broken the gate, the gates of bronze and he cut the bars of iron apart. Listen, verse 17. Some are fools made ill because of the, way, of the way of their transgressions and are afflicted because of their iniquities. God in his love will afflict those. That's what the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 67. He said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. I began to wander. I began to go after formless, meaningless things that weren't of Christ. Well, verse 18, they loathe every kind of food. Did you hear that? I mean, God can give us the word. And if it hasn't yet touched the experience through humility and through grace receiving it, and then we go into a trial unprepared, what do we do? We can even loathe and forget all the good food that we were fed with, all that fellowship, all those truths that were given to us so beautifully in counsel from God and through his word. And then we will loathe every kind of food. Why? Because they believe they draw near to the gates of death. Remember, death is never extinction. It's always separation. 
We get separated through self-consciousness. We get separated from God. And the enemy will use a multitude of things, even the things that we think are good. He'll use them to bring in a separation and distance between us and God. And that's why God has these trials, to bring us right back to where we belong. And that's his presence in humility. They loathe every kind. But then they cry to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivers them out of their distresses. How does he do that? How does he do it? Well, he sends forth his word. For us as believers, I'll tell you how he does that. If you don't have the gift and you don't have the skill of the word of God, if you and I don't have that, he has an order. And that's again in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 8. He gave gifts unto men. Those gifts are the men themselves that he's given to the local assembly. That's right. He gave those pastors and teachers in Ephesians 4.11 for the maturing of the saints so that they could play an important role and part in, in what? The work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? You mean God would give an individual a work apart from a local assembly? Never. Never in the scriptures, ever. Would he ever do it apart from a local assembly? He'll never give us anything that's truly from him that wouldn't be for the benefit, not just of me, but for the whole local assembly to where we're called. It's a local assembly. The reason it is is because we all can't meet in one place. So God, in the perfection of his plan and his thought, his wisdom and his love, chose the place for us to be. That's where we get fed in Ephesians 4.11. And that thus become a joint that now supplies. That joint that supplies. Listen, he didn't just give the supply just for you and I, for our own selves, but to be a supply to the body of Christ where he's called us. You know, we used to hear it in, a, in the most legalistic way. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves. In a very legalistic way, we heard it that way. That's not how God is saying it this morning. He's not. No. Nope. He's being very gracious. And he's giving us beautiful counsel. Beautiful counsel. He sends forth his word and heals them and rescues them from the pit and destruction. You know, there's a pit. The psalmist in Psalm 40 verse 2 says, Deliver me from the noisome pit. The noisome pit are all those lies and those projections and those thought forces that come from the enemy that in the midst of the trial he uses to drive the believer, not to Christ, but to drive them into themselves. And God comes in and he uses it to humble us, to bring us to our sense. Do you know why he has a local assembly for us? Because he's putting sense into the heads of believers. Listen, that they can't do themselves, and they may think they can. Not that God won't bless with portions, but he has way more than those portions. He has way more than little portions. And that's why it's crystal clear in Isaiah 46.10. The word of God says he declares the end from the beginning. He knows. In Acts 15 verse 18, known unto God are all his works from the beginning. In Revelations 1, 8, 11, and 17. In Revelations 22, 16, and 17. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He knows the end. That's what the Word of God makes crystal clear in a preponderance of those scriptures. That's what Jesus was saying in John 13, 19, and 14, 29. I tell you these things before they come to pass. That when they come to pass, you may believe. Which means you may submit. And submit to me now in preparation for those things that are going to come to pass because, listen, he knows. Crystal clear. And not only does he know the end from the beginning, but let me ask you, what is he doing between the two? He's preparing us in time to reign for all eternity. We are eternal. We are products of eternity, not time. Not time at all. And we only have so much left in our country. All that men would praise and confess the Lord for his goodness and loving kindness and his wonderful works to the children of men. 
Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and rehearse his deeds with shouts of joy and singing. Now here's where God has placed a lot of us. And if you're not there yet, you may still be in the safety of the harbor, but I guarantee you, you're going to be going out and experiencing some storms if you haven't yet. And I believe we all have. I believe every person here has. (laughs) Verse 23, some go down to the sea and travel over it in ships to do business in great waters. You know where God does a lot with us? He doesn't just do it in the safety and comfort of the harbor. He does the great things. He he does the deepest things when we're out in the midst of the storm. What makes an oak so valuable? An oak tree. Because it's been battered and beaten by the storms and by the winds. It's not staying in the safety of a little harbor. It's not staying in the safety and thinking a little devotional thing is enough. He's given us the word in volumes. In volumes, he's given it to us. And that's, it's never enough, folks. You can never have enough of God and enough of his order, okay? They do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. And that's why in Psalm 42, 7, the deep, the depth of our need, the depth of his love meets the depth of our need. But I'm going to tell you where, it's, where we learn to trust him. It's not in the safety little harbors, the little comfortable little areas where we can so easily hide. He does it out in the midst of the water. He does it out in the midst of the water. Do you remember right in the midst of the storm in Matthew the 14th chapter and Luke the 8th chapter, he called Peter to walk out? And Peter walked out. He was walking right in the midst of the storm. But what happened with him? He took his eyes off the Lord and he looked at the storm and he began to sink. Do you know what? God's hand is always there for us. And he's led us through, hasn't he? And he's going to continue to do so because you're in Christ and I'm in Christ. And listen, we're not in this separately in this local assembly. We're in it together as one, as one. For he commands and rises up the stormy wind. Did you hear that? Who brings the stormy wind? Who brings it? And what is it teaching us? Is he speaking to us in the storm? Is he speaking to us in the wind? What is it in 1 Kings 19, 12? It's a still small voice in the midst of the storm that's saying, don't put your eyes on your circumstance, your situation, your feeling, your thoughts that aren't the word of God. But you look away in Hebrews 12, 2, from all that would distract, all that would cause distance and distraction in your life. Looking away from all that would distract unto Jesus. He's the author, listen, and the finisher of your faith. He's the author. He's the author and finisher of your faith. For he commands and raises up the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. Those abroad mount up to the heavens, and they go down again to the deep. Their courage melts away because of their plight. What is God doing in the storm? That's Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and the 25th to the 29th verse. He is shaking things in our lives that can be shaken so that those things that remain cannot be shaken. I am telling you, and I know it for a fact, based upon the study of prophecy in the prophetic calendar of what's coming down the pipe to us in our country here. And again, we've said this before all through last week. It's not that evil's on its way here. It's here and been here for a while. It's just that we, the church, are the pivotal force that keeps it back. That keeps it back. But don't think in any way that God won't use it to humble us because he will, because that's our need, because that's who he gives grace to. So we're going to wrap it up here, and here it is. Their courage melts away because of their plight. In other words, they're interpreting 
They're interpreting what, what, with their circumstances and situations through their own thoughts. Then it becomes their plight, forgetting that the trials of God, the storms of God, and what are the reasons for it? He, then they cry to the Lord in their trouble. And he brings them out of their distresses. Verse 29, he hushes the storm to a calm and to a gentle whisper so that the waves of the sea are still. Then men are glad because of the calm and then he brings them to their desired haven. Who brings us there? Are you looking for someone else to bring you there? If you are, when you go to the other person, that's not fellowship. Because the fellowship is the exchange of Christ in an intimate, personal relationship. It's very personal. Very, very, very personal to us. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't let a thing get in the way of the Word of God, by the way. Not one single thing. Oh, that men would praise and confess to the Lord for his goodness and his loving kindness, his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. Listen, he turns rivers into a wilderness. Is that necessary for us at times? Is it necessary for us at times for God to turn the rivers that we have with his presence into a wilderness, water springs into a thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a barren, salt waste because of the wickedness who dwell in it. But he turns a wilderness into a pool of water and dry ground into water springs. And there he makes the hungry to dwell. Notice that? He makes the hungry to dwell that they may prepare a city for habitation. On and on and on it goes. And you can read it to the end of, of that chapter. But I have to tell you, this whole COVID thing was never was allowed of God, but was it ever against us? Was it? If God allowed it, was it against us? Could it be? I don't care what the situation. Is it finances? Whatever it is. Is it health? Doesn't matter. God for us, Romans 8.31, who against us? Who against us? He causes us to keep that yoke on. That's what he does. Because without the yoke, evil comes in and begins to compete with Christ in us. Did you know that? We need a yoke constantly. Because I'll tell you what we'll do. Without the yoke, we go far from him. We go far from him without even realizing it. Without even realizing it, we do. But you know what he has for us? He has that yoke. Because you know what that yoke always reveals? It reveals the personal intimacy of his love that he has for us. We all need that yoke. Every one of us. And by the way, we need each and every portion here in this local assembly. And you know, God in his, his love and wisdom put us together in this place to be a joint that supplies for each other. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I can't even tell you how much I missed each and every one of you together, how much deeply I missed it, and how valuable it became, even more so. The word to be able to have it together and fellowship around Christ together, face to face. And by the way, I want to make this clear in the scriptures in Romans 10, 14 to 17. The way that he teaches us and gives us the counsel that we need for the specific place we are is face to face teaching and preaching. It's very easy to go somewhere else and get that. But when we have to face each other, it's a different story. Because that's where the preciseness of the counsel is. It's very precise. And by the way, it's for us. It's for us. And God is no respecter of persons. Loves every one of us. And I want to tell you, and I miss you all deeply. And I also want to say, again, even doing this, even doing this like, that, like we're doing it this morning, it's just the protection. I'm going way over 
just to make sure, just to make sure that no one else would ever come close to having this little nasty thing. <laughs> but Wednesday night, face-to-face fellowship. Yes, sir. Oh, I can't wait. Miss you all. Love you all. Nothing but for you. Nothing but for you. And I also look forward to these corporate times of growth and fellowship together. And and by the way, there's growth when we're corporate. We can miss those times too. But there's growth when we're corporate, when we're together. But I also am looking forward to, to, to times of intimacy with individuals privately too. But never to the replacement of us gathering together and getting together and... Uh, Love you all. I can't tell you how much I miss you. I know I've said it, but I'm going to keep saying it because I keep, it's such a, it's such a deep reality in me like never before. And love you, miss you. And uh, so, Father, we thank you this morning that you're for us. Thank you that everything that you prepare us for is for your glory and our blessing. It's, it's, it's preparatory to some form of service, which always speaks of worship always does. And you're teaching us how to walk in new circumstances. You're teaching us that in the newness of the circumstances. There's where the revelation is never different, but the light grows. It increases. And thank you, Father, this morning for each person. And I I pray again that you, you would just heal Diane and use the doctors, Father, and I believe you will. Give her a perfect calm and a peace. Uh, for for Jadiel, with his asthma, I just pray in Jesus' name, Father, that you just would heal him in your perfect time. And I know you will. I know you'll do it. And just protect his wife and cover her. Because I know that when the loved one goes through it, it's very difficult for the other to watch. So I just pray for a depth of healing. Father, and I pray for each one of us here, each and every single one of us here, thanking you and praising you uh, for each and every portion. And thank you for who you are in us and the beautiful, positive love that you have for us and that we're the dot and you're the circle and nothing can touch us that, has to, that doesn't go through that circle. You love us so deeply. Thank you, Lord, for this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.